Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. There's power in the name of Jesus. I asked the band to end with that because I, I that is where we're landing this morning is a power in names. And the name of Jesus is powerful, and it's very interesting. It's not because of the word itself. It's not because of those syllables, those letters, and that order. It, that's not where the power is. The power is because where Jesus is, reality changes. That's the power in the name of Jesus is because he is God, and where he is, things change. And it's very timely. So we've been in a series for the past few weeks on the book of Daniel, and this morning is uh, very timely. I could not have planned it better. Just last week, we talked about fear. Um, <laughs> we talked about fear. We talked about owning the, the flame, everything that, that, that comes at us and being confident in it because we know who is with us in it. And it's very interesting that on Tuesday, our country was plagued with fear. And so this morning, we're going to sit in sort of a part two of the fiery furnace, uh, which I had planned, and we're going to concentrate on names. Did you know that there's power in the name of Jesus? Did you know that there's power in the name of Jesus? And, and it's, it's powerful because uh, it is this recognition that we are in him. It's less in the name itself, but the reality that we are in the name of Jesus. There's a repositioning that happened when we came to know him. It's a reality that he is everywhere, and where he is, things change, and who he is in are changed, right? And we are found in him, and so that's where we're going to talk about uh, the recognition, the remembrance that we live in him. We operate in him. We communicate now in him. We, we live life. We engage with our neighbors in him, and where he is, things change, and there's power in him. In his name. And so we have access to that, and we're diving into names this morning. Uh, if you have not been a part of this series at all and you've stepped in for the first time this morning, rest assured we actually record each and every week. And so the past few weeks uh, of the Daniel study, uh, maybe it's been valuable to you and you want to share it to a friend. They're, they're on our website, so you can tune into it. But we're diving in again uh, at chapter 3 of Daniel. And uh, we're going to jump to the Gospels and then we're going to end in Daniel 1. And it's going to be a weird. We've been diving into just one text, but this morning's a little bit of a mashup to multiple texts. And so I'm excited for it. Because uh, if you remember, Daniel 3 is all about a fiery furnace uh, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, and this morning we're talking about the power of a name. And so I'll give it to you at the very beginning, um, the statement that hopefully will, will grow in understanding and in strength and in depth and weight as we get on. But this is what I want you to remember. My faith gets daring when I rejoice in my name's connection to Jesus. My faith gets daring. We could also say my faith gets courageous. I begin to change. My attitude and outlook on life changes. My marriage changes. The, the way that I see my kids change. The way that I view my work or lack of work. The way that I view what I have or don't have. Everything changes as I realize my connection to Jesus. My identity's connection to Jesus. And that's something that we'll see again and again. You know, scripture says rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. 
but I believe that we don't rejoice too often in our name's connection with Jesus, our identity's connection with who he is and what he's done and what he's all about. Um, And sadly, uh, the opposite happens. But as we condition our hearts to recognize our position in Christ, things begin to change. Our outlook changes. Our perspective changes. Our temper, some of you struggle with temper, surely not, right? Our temper changes. Our attitudes change. Our ability to forgive changes. As we realize our position in Jesus, things change. And I promise you it has a lot to do with what you identify yourself as, what your name is. Not Greg is my name, but child of God being my name. Not Greg is my name, but redeemed being my name. Scripture says that I'm, I'm made righteous and new. That is my name. And we often forget that, and so we forgo any changes that come because of it, right? We forget it. And so we, we learned last week, uh, as we dove into the, the story, and we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being in the flames. You guys wrote this down. I hope it has stuck with you. We said this, that the, it is the companionship of who is with us that changes our experience of the flame. So you better believe that in these next few months, as our world is plagued with fear, Christians should look differently because of the companionship that is with us in the flame. Right? Like it should be different as schools close, as families are now having to realize how to feed their kids lunch. But because typically it's fed at school as people uh, in the entertainment industry lose their jobs for a season. As all of this fear is plagued with Christians, we need to look different. Whereas King Nebuchadnezzar saw inside and saw Jesus... That's what people need to see. But it has a lot to do with our ability to own our connection with Christ as we move forward. Our ability to be confident in who he says we are versus what our system, our our situation, our society speaks over us. And so that's what we're going to get into uh, this morning because too often we downgrade it. I wrote this down that we should, what we should be, what should be, sorry, at the forefront of our rejoice has quickly been benched for something else. We, we, we speak a lot of complaint. In every conversation I've had with everyone this week, one, one word is spoken about 3,000 times, right? One word. Corona, right? <laughs> one word. We, we speak what we either fear or what we uh, act upon. And it's very interesting because rejoicing in the name of Jesus is what we should be doing. Rejoicing in who he is, what he has done. And it's so quick that we get stuck on other things. And I, I didn't just come up with this myself. Uh, we're going to dive into There's a moment in the Gospels where Jesus sends out his followers, 72. We don't, have, we don't even have 72 people in this room, but at the time he had 72 followers. Um, but that actually keeps us safer, right? Because uh, it's less contagious. Um, but Jesus had 72 followers and he sent them two by two out into the, the cities, the surrounding cities. And he tells them to speak uh, of the kingdom, that the kingdom is coming. He tells them to heal the sick, uh, to, to cast out demons and to do it in his name. And so they go two by two. So the story picks up, and they're all, they're all back, and they came back. And this is what they say at Luke 10, starting at verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. But listen to what Jesus says really quickly. He said, 
I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. But nevertheless, do not rejoice at that, that the spirits submit to you. In other words, do not rejoice that you defeat sin. Do not rejoice that you are healthy enough to not get corona. Do not rejoice that you have gifts and abilities. Do not rejoice that you can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right? We often, I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all that. One time I saw an Instagram post where someone was uh, going to run up a mountain and their caption literally said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I was like, okay, cool. Me too. I'll run up that mountain. But we do that. I can do all things Don't rejoice that you have the authority, that under your words, the the enemy goes. That's not the point. The point is not in me saying Jesus. The point is in Jesus' name being spoken. He's present. And so it's very interesting that he says this. But rejoice that your names. Can you go to the next slide? But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Don't, don't rejoice that all these things submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, that defining thing, that, that, the thing, the title that makes up who you are, the identifying factor of you, rejoice that it is now forever found in heaven. Rejoice in the fact that who you are positionally has changed. Like, well, you need to rejoice, not that the spirits are submitting to you, but they're submitting to you because you bring heaven wherever you go. Like, rejoice in who you are forever connected with. I will tell you, we do not rejoice that our name is connected with Jesus. We rejoice in a lot of other things. We speak out a lot of other things, but this morning, we're going to talk about our name's connection with Jesus. I'll tell you that our world and our enemy wants us to connect our name with anything else. He wants us to connect our name with anything else. And he'll still speak it over and over and over. He'll allow situations to cause our name to be connected with um, bitterness or sin or fear or doubt or worry or neglect. He'll cause our name to be connected with the divorce that we had versus the God who, who, who heals us despite. It, the enemy will, will love to connect our name with anything that will get us from rejoicing in who our name is connected with for all eternity. And so for a long time, the church has just set, set down instead of speaking out. And so there is, a, I, I read this, and I, I say this uh, because there is a reason why I believe that the writer of Daniel intentionally made his readers only know one series of names. It's very funny. Daniel's always called Daniel, but the other three men who are renamed in Scripture he wanted his, his readers to become very familiar with only one set. So in our point of view, we've come to know three names very familiar, like very well. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I think that the writer of Daniel wanted us to realize how easy it was to catch on to these names, the worldly names, versus where they, what they really were, the names that they knew deep down. In fact, I believe fully that they were able to stand courageously when when the music blared and everyone else bowed they were able to stay stand courageously not because they had the authority over the providences of Babylon which they did not because they had gifts and were smart which they were but it was because they knew their names connection to Christ which in that terms they knew their names connection to Yahweh to Elohim to the God of Israel they knew their names connection and so no matter what name was pressed in where what situation they found themselves in what flame was that day they knew who they were 
And so they were able to stand. In fact, I believe they probably didn't verbally say this to the authority figure, but in the back of their mind, I, a statement like this had to be, be shown when they said, hey, Shadrach, just in the back of my mind, that's not my name. Hey, Meshach, that's not my name. But what do you need, <laughs> right? Like uh, being able to engage in our world but not attach that name to us is a strong but very difficult thing. To be able to engage in the world that claims Christianity as one thing yet be, be strong in who we really are, that's difficult. But hey, Abednego, that's not my name, but what do you need? I, that's not my name. In fact, as we get into this, uh, my hope is that you realize that that's not your name. That's not my name. We're going to dive into this because uh, chapter one of Daniel, there's this renaming that happens. And so we're going to read that text. It's really quick. It says, the palace master brought all the men of nobility in, and one by one, the Israelites were renamed out of their Hebrew name and into another name. And so it says, the palace master gave them other names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. But we know Shadrach, right? Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. Now, the names that we know and love from the story are not the names that they know given to them by the God that they love. And I think this is very powerful. So we're going to do a little bit of a name study this morning as we get into this, because there's a power in names. And you're about to realize that the name given to you written in heaven is united beautifully with the God who has redeemed you. And yet the name spoken over and over, those fearful identity, identifying attributes that you think now define you from your past or your present, that is not your identifying name. But we quickly latch onto those nicknames. And so we're going to dive into this because my bet is that your heart is going to connect to either Shadrach's name or Meshach's name or Abednego's name, that your, your heart will connect to one of them as we look into what they actually mean. So here's a little bit of a word study. Scripture says that Hananiah was called Shadrach. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Did you know that Hananiah, if you'd like to, to put that, Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. Now I just want to say Yahweh has been gracious. That literally every time the name of Hananiah was spoken, there is this definition attached to it that everyone in Israel knew. Yahweh has been gracious. Yahweh has been gracious. Hey, Hananiah, this identifying factor of God's grace was attached to this man. And it's very powerful to read because if you're like me, um, there will be times when, when someone says God is gracious and I'm like, yes, he is. And then other times where someone says God is gracious and my gut reaction causes me to just do a heart check. This is literally Hananiah's life. <laughs> hey, Hananiah, God is gracious. Well, right now, okay, yes, he is. Hananiah, God is gracious. And instantly he was renamed Shadrach. Do you know what the word Shadrach means? Servant of sin. Can I just sit in the fact that, that a name that was defined by God's grace is now redefined by a new culture by the word sin? servant of sin. I'll be honest, a lot of you have been redeemed and holy and given, given the name of newness. But that was long ago, right? And if you're like me, we, you, you tend to sin the most, right, after we accept Jesus and the enemy. And that, that's literally my testimony. I, 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 was, I was saved at a young age. But I remember making the worst decisions post-Christianity, right? And what the enemy loves to do is start saying, you know, your name is servant of sin. 
Your name is the sin at which you have done. The name is all of the bad choices that you've been given when, though, the name written in eternity is attached to God's grace. And that's something really hard that we, we, some of you have been plagued with this. Maybe it was from sin years ago. And what happens to our heart is that like hitting the snooze button on our phones, we hit the snooze button on obedience constantly. Right? We hit the snooze button on obedience, and it's often because we think that we're not worthy for it right now, or we need to get our life straight before we do it. That's because you're still believing your name is Shadrach instead of Hananiah. If God has redeemed you, who the sun sets free is free indeed, period. And in freedom we operate. That's not servant of sin. Does that mean we, stu- we still sin? Yes. But is that my defining attribute? No. When the, the father looks at me, he sees the grace poured out on victory of the resurrection. Right? Like when the father sees me, he doesn't see sermon of sin. He sees grace. He sees grace. And this is a very hard thing, but some of you have been called Shadrach. And you need to realize that your name is not Shadrach. But it's funny, there's two, two other men. Mishael was called Meshach. Very close name, Mishael to Meshach. What, what, what's the difference? But did you know that Mishael actually means who is what God is? Or another one, shadow of God, that literally his name speaks character of God, qualities of God, goodness of God. Everything that God is is now defined in you. You're the shadow of God. Where God goes, you go. You follow him. That is his name. And then he's renamed another Meshach, which means this, draws with force or shadow of Aku. Aku was a Babylonian god. It was a god who who did self-worship. That's what the god of Aku taught instantly draws with force. Now we're going to get a little um, toe-steppy. Who is what God is? God is patient. God is kind. God is forgiving. God is beautiful. The word draws with force literally means you see what you want and you take it. Draws with force is you bother me, I've got my defense. Draws with force means that if I want something, I get it. If I try, I will succeed. Draws with force is I'm going to step in regardless and take what's mine, rightfully mine. Draws with force is this image of proving self versus anything else. And we're in a society where pandemic spread, and what do people do? They start drawing with force those toilet papers, right? But really, like, we start arming the defense of our own selves at the expense of another. This is not the characteristic or qualities of God, but Meshach is everywhere in our society, ourselves. If you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. Why? Because I draw with force. That's That's not the name of Jesus. Another one is a shadow. I follow another God, a God who promotes self. We're quick to do this, but that's not your name. You are who God is. You are as God is. You are like Christ, meaning that every day we come to know the meekness of him who let other people hit him and turn the other cheek. The meekness of him, the, the, the beauty of he who touched a leper, knowing that that leper could 100% kill him, and we're afraid to touch another It's just insane. We draw with force before we realize 
We are who, we are what, we are characteristics of our God. That's not my name. We need to start saying that's, that's not my name. And then the third one, Ezariah was called Abednego. We know Abednego. In fact, we struggle to say it as a child, all of us. Poor Ezariah probably struggled to say it as well. But Ezariah means Yahweh has helped me. Yahweh has helped me. Yahweh has helped me. God is my helper. God stands with me. I'm able to move forward because God helps me. I'm able to lift this arm because God helps me. I'm able to take this step because God helps me. Yahweh is my helper. In all that I do, I have a God who helps me do it. It's this reminder, and instantly he's forced with another name, Abednego. And that means servant of Naboo, who's characterized in the Babylonian culture, always attached with the image of serpents. He's named the shining one. It's very funny that the enemy, uh, Lucifer, he's always called the bright morning star. Servant of this world, servant of a pagan God is what his name was attached to. Instead of Yahweh has helped you, now you are the helper of a pagan God. Like it just literally his identity is changed, reshaped. Uh, You are now helpless and bound by the world. I don't know about you, but there's a God of fear that has been causing a lot of people to submit this week. There's been a lowercase God of bitterness, a lowercase God of worry, a lowercase God of doubt that has been binding people. And as believers, these are false chains that we're putting on ourselves because we are named God as my helper, yet we believe we're helpless. We believe we're helpless. And this is in all things. Is your job your helper? Because the absence of your job will quickly feel like you are now bonded and bound and at loss. Your job's not your provider. Our helper is. And instantly Azariah was called Abednego and his name was changed, but he knew his name was not that I'm not a servant of the oppressor. I'm a, I am a follower of the helper. And this is a very different name. It's a very different, but I will tell you, we need to start saying that is not my name. That is not my name. And we need to actively rejoice in the truth that there is power in the name of Jesus. And Jesus' name is now forever attached to mine because of his cross, what he has done. There's power in his name. That as we say at the beginning, and I need you to know this, the power is not that we merely speak his name. It's the fact that we ourselves are found in it. He is everywhere, in all things. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not amazed when the fourth man showed up in the flames. They believed that he was already there anyways. Like, my God will protect us. They weren't shocked by it. There's power in his name, and I need you to know the name of Jesus is no longer exterior to you and I. So we need to do a little bit of renaming this morning. To rename the nicknames back to our real name. To to take away those false nicknames that the world pushes on us and claim who I am, whose I am. And that in and of itself causes us real freedom. I'll tell you, I believe that there is a, and I I don't, I'm not a weirdo in saying this, but I believe that there is a 
a spirit of oppression that has come on our world as this happens. And I don't think that it hasn't been there before, but I think it's now showing itself up in a very real way. And everyone's beginning to own the fact that they feel it. And as oppression takes root, we got to realize that the enemy, uh, he seeks to oppress the, the worshipers of God because if he oppresses us, then we can't rejoice in him. And, and, and it's not out of, out of his doing, but it's often out of our doing, our, what we're choosing to believe in the moment. And so uh, a, few, a few years ago, God has had increasingly attached onto my belief uh, just how real oppression is and just how much it is connected to our, our belief of ourself and who Jesus is. That it's when I am doubtful or insecure that I begin to feel weighed down by the weight of the world. And that has all to do with my belief of who I am in him. And so I, I'll characterize it as this. I had a nightmare um, a couple of, uh, of years ago, and this is literally the craziest nightmare, I promise. It's very strange. Uh, the band's about to come up. That's why people are moving. Um, so that's okay. Um, but I had this nightmare, and it was, I don't typically have spiritual dreams, but this was it. And it was so strange that in the middle of the dream itself, um, I was making a lot of noises, like with my mouth, I was trying to say something and it woke my wife up. And my wife knew uh, some reason, she just didn't feel that she should wake me up. And so she just let me stay asleep. And I was like murmuring things. And she, she just felt this peace, like I shouldn't wake him up. And so in, in our bed, she just held my arm. And that's all that happened outside. Inside the dream was scary to me. Uh, I was checking on our twins. We have twins, and I was in their room. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this like dark shadow, and it had like a face of a man. But I instantly knew it wasn't a man. That this was something spiritual. So like, I don't know why, but my gut reaction was try to make out the phrase. And this is literally happened. Try to make out the phrase Jesus is here. But have you ever been in a dream where you can't talk? That was it. And I just kept. And it just wouldn't work. And so what my wife is hearing out, like outside is literally that. And it woke her up. And she was like, there's something going on. So she just touched my, hand, my, my arm. And I just kept saying it. And it wasn't happening. And I was like, why isn't this working? Like I'm trying to say it, but it's not working. Why isn't this working? But the figure like runs out into our kitchen. And so I just keep going after it, trying to say this word, but it's not working at all. And so I just kept doing it. And uh, I remember right about that time, Kate in the dream comes out to the hallway and she's just like, what's going on? And so I t try to tell her, but it's not working. And she's just like, I'm here. And I believe like that was the moment when she like held on. I don't know. I could be cheesy, but I, I believe that that was the moment when she held on. Uh, and it, she was just there. And so slowly, I'm like chasing this thing and slowly making out a little bit. And I'm just doing it. And instantly, um, this black figure turns into a cat. I don't know why, guys. It's going to get weird. And it's just running away from me as I'm trying to like press forward to it. And then slowly, as I'm making the word out more, making the phrase out more, it turn, changes into a watermelon. And I'm like, guys, I don't know why, but it's rolling away from me. But what I do know is that each thing gets smaller and more obtainable for my mind to grasp. And that's the neat thing. Like, I've, I've thought of this a lot, and it just keeps rolling away. And I, now I'm like, and, I'm, and outside, Kate was like, it was weird what you were doing, um, like outside of the dream. And so I'm just following this uh, rolling watermelon, and then it turns into a spoon. 
that tries to fit itself in our drawer. And by this time, I'm now shouting, Jesus is here, both in my dream and in real life. And uh, I pull the spoon out because I remember it's just trying to fit in with the drawer. And I pull it out and I throw it away. And right when I throw it, I wake up and Kate goes, what was that? Because I, I just slowly over time started owning the fact that Jesus is here. And I don't know if like, it's not so much that the name of Jesus is spoken, but the reality that Jesus is here when we speak it. Like the name, the presence of God is in this room. And so where he is, darkness flees. And I just want to, I rest in the fact that my name for so long was bound by insecurity, not good enough. And that was the name that I claimed. In fact, that would have been a name that have kept me from trying because I tried and it didn't work. That would have been the name. But our God is our helper. And just like my wife who stepped in, he's there. And his presence, his companionship changes how we engage in what's forward. Like this, this is real. That there are things in our life that we need to speak the fact that Jesus is here and stand in it. Yeah, I'll tell you, this sickness is real, but what is also real is the the effects that it's playing on everyone around us. And we have the ability to own the fact that Jesus is here and it changes how we engage, changes how we operate, how we love, what we spend our time doing. And so some of you, you're not Shadrach. You're not a servant of sin. You're tied with his grace. Others of you stop forcing your hand and trust. You don't have to draw with force. Trust. And others of you stop allowing yourself to be chained as the helper. You have a God who is the helper. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.